You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Men. And bringing you today's podcast is Wise. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. It's packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. If you go to Wise.com, that's W-Y-Z-E.com slash locked to get the guaranteed lowest price. That's Wise, W-Y-Z-E dot com slash lock to get the absolute guaranteed lowest price for those indoor cameras uh, that we've been talking about now here for a couple weeks. Also brought to you by Himalaya. You can get Lockdown Bucks on the brand new podcast and app Himalaya as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. Frank, I, I I missed you last night. Uh, we we did not get to connect. I was very happy that you ended the podcast by saying "not Eric" uh, as someone that that you were. You know, you know. I think we always try to extend that courtesy to each other. So I very much appreciated that. A uh, big shout out to Mitchell Marr, the managing editor over at Brew Hoop, for stepping in. And I do have to say, I'm. Kind of disappointed in Mitchell that he didn't have a camera running at all times every single time Giannis went to the free throw line just for the off chance that he could catch you freaking out about it. Um, I was very worried from press row. How did you kind of get through him missing 7 of 12 free throws last night? You can't see me right now, but my face is the Jason Terry gif. Um, I'm, I'm giving you the Jason Terry gif look <laughs> just for asking me that question. Um yeah, it was not great. I mean, to be honest, if if I didn't have in the back of my mind the fact that Giannis had was like a unreliable free throw shooter in the last two playoffs, um, I probably would not care as much because, like, you know, he obviously has had occasional bad free throws in this regular season as well, and then he always seemed to kind of bounce back with you know like a good a good shooting night. It seemed like um, thereafter. Um, so you know, again, and, and obviously, like, like. like we know that there's not a risk of the Bucks, like you know, there was no concern over like losing the game on Sunday because of Giannis' free throw shooting. But um, you know, against the Raptors a couple of years ago, 54% from the line. Uh, last year, 69% from the line. So I mean, a little bit below kind of where he was this year. But um, you know, keep in mind, I mean, he was what 76% last season, so um, a fair bit beyond under where where kind of he was uh, for. Um, you know, for the for the regular season, so so yeah, going five out of twelve is is ugly, especially when you especially when you take so many damn free throws. Um, you know, you're leaving a lot of a lot of points um, on the table. So uh, I wasn't great. I did not scream into any pillows. Um, you know, I had my uh, I had uh, our our like Austin Bucks crew uh, 
which is Mitchell, Connor Tierney, and, and Bill Canzanieri. Shout out to those guys. Um, we we re- reunited. I think I think all of us. Um, well, Bill came a year ago, I think. But uh, Connor and Mitchell, we've we've watched the last two playoff openers together as well. So um, so yeah, the gang was back together. It's the gang, the whole gang, the whole gang. Uh, I had my daughter Matilda in a uh, Bucks onesie. Uh, my wife, uh, asked for a buck shirt. She has like, a, like one or two bucks things, but she asked me for a, uh, a buck shirt to wear, uh, my wife who's a Rockets fan and she wore, uh, the knuck if you buck, uh, shirt, uh, shout yeah. out to a friend of the pod, Matt Curley, uh, and his daughter who, uh, um, uh, made those shirts. And, uh, and so, uh, definitely was happy to get that some run on, on Sunday. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, it was a it was a good 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 group, um, and uh, you know I think because of that I'm probably less likely to act like a total weirdo when I'm around you know more people. Um, <laughs> also, act like a total weirdo around my wife during games. She's sort of just used to me being a, a strange, strangely emotionally vested in weird things, weird parts of uh, <laughs> of the game. But um, but yeah, we survived it, uh, and and obviously probably a good thing given uh you know. Um, probably a good thing for for you know the the whole um the, the whole state of my mental health for you know that being able to um kind of carry through so anyway i survived is what i'm trying to say i i will say um you know i i think i kind of I think in some ways I kind of blow off Giannis free throw concerns because I think he's been so good during the regular season the last two years. But then, you know, like I kind of looked at last year's like playoff numbers and I was like, oh, it's it's, I don't want to say it's an actual problem, but like, you know, last year was bad. Like it was it was it's pretty rough stuff. And again, like I'm only going off a series. Um, So, you know, you, you can have some you know, sort of strange things happen in a small sample size. But I was like, oh, you know, like I'm normal. I'm normally kind of dismissive of him struggling at the line. But last year in the playoffs, like it was, it was a real thing. So um, I guess I know I wrote it at the Athletic Today. Like you know, that is, uh, you know, not much went wrong for the Bucks last night. But that is one thing that you know, just it's in the back of the brain, right? Like you're gonna you're gonna let it hang out there in the back of your mind because. Well, like that's that's not ideal. Your your guy that goes to the free throw line all the time that has an incredible free throw rate, uh, you know, you don't want him missing free throws. I like, guess that's just giving away free points. So, um, yeah, kind of interesting there. I, I guess other things. I, I and I listened to you and Mitchell today, but um, you know, I thought it was interesting that you know both Bledsoe and Middleton started off really slow, and you know, I was. It ended up being like a conversation on press row last night, but, you know, we kind of talked through the idea of, is this a big deal? Does it matter? Does it not matter? And, you know, I think ultimately when, when you're playing a team like the Pistons, I don't, I don't think it matters. Um, If you know, if you're playing a better team, it would matter. But also I, I guess the thing I was struggling with is like, you don't need the tough shot express against the, against the Detroit Pistons. Like, you shouldn't ever take tough shots because you can get dunks and wide open threes whenever you want them. And then obviously Chris ends up going four of seven from the three point line, uh, which means he was just one of six from the field. But it was, it, it was a spot where it was like, you know, like I, I kind of get, 
I don't want to say freaking out, but you know, like just like thinking about it, like, oh yeah, you know, that can't happen next round. But then at the same time, it's just like, well, you know, does anyone want Chris taking tough shots tonight? Like that's kind of his thing. And, and you know, that's a skill in the playoffs that can be really helpful. Obviously we saw that last year against the Celtics, uh, but against the Pistons, it's like, oh yeah, I guess like tough shots aren't really the shots to take because it's so incredibly easy against them. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing with blood. So like, I think those those back breaking drives where Bledsoe goes flying into the other team's point guard and then he's just like so strong that he gets through it and just lays it up as that point guard like flies into the stanchion. It's like, well, you know, you don't really need that against the Pistons because everything's in- incredibly easy. Um, so to me, uh, those are things that you know you think about, but I don't necessarily know that that I worry about. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as, as we're talking, I'm, I'm, I know we had a couple other topics to, to, to touch upon. Part of me is just like wondering, like, man, we're, you, you know, you, 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 you saw it coming. I, I questioned you the other day when uh, you were talking about, man, how are you going to like, um, like you weren't looking forward to like having to think of things to talk about with this series <laughs> or have to cover the series. And it's almost like a, a, a cruel joke as podcasters that we have this this extra day break between games one and two, yep. just and just especially after game one. Like, I don't think the I don't think the Pistons are going to lose every game by thirty five points, uh, but it just kind of figures that these first games would have this big break just to like kind of lull us lull us to sleep um, ahead of ahead of game two. Uh, so maybe, maybe that, maybe that's the one thing going in the Pistons favor at this point is, is just <laughs> lull bucks to sleep and boredom factor. Yeah. It's, it is really kind of weird to think of this series where it's just like, you know, there's not a whole lot there. And I know you guys mentioned on the pod, it's like, oh, you know, Nikola Mirotic goes oh five from three. And then in the end, it's like, well, that's fine. He can do that in this series. Like, you know, you got to get him back into game shape. You, you gotta, you know, kind of shake the rust off and, well, you know, it'll be fine. He, he was over five last night and, you know, had a couple turnovers and eh, it'll, it'll all be fine. So I, I do think that's really the interesting thing is, you know, so often in playoff series, like the thing I've really reveled in the last kind of two years has been you and I during these off days, like talking through adjustments, right? Like, okay, well, you know, the Raptors saw the Bucks do this, so now they're going to do this. Or the Celtics, you know, might have been able to take this way at the end of the third quarter. Ultimately, the the margin was too big. So, you know, I think in game two, we can expect this. There's none of that with this series. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you talked about it uh, before we started recording, but it was like Dwayne Casey said, like, oh, yeah, we're going to play more zone. And it's like, do you really want to give the Bucks a day to prepare for that? <laughs> There's another off day, man. Like they're gonna they're they're gonna practice on on Wednesday uh, and or excuse me on Tuesday for Wednesday's game. Like they're gonna practice on Tuesday, and you just told them that hey guys, you should probably spend a little more time on zone. And you're like, well, maybe it's gamesmanship. Maybe he's trying to get them to waste time on zone. And it's just like, can you really waste time on anything when? the Pistons are putting out that roster. Like, I don't even think you need to be all that prepared for anything uh, that they do. So I, I don't, yeah, it, it's really tough to kind of like think through this series uh, and kind of take some things like seriously. I mean, I hope the Pistons do try some different things. Cause I mean, that's really, you know, the most valuable kind of thing that that can happen for the Bucks is that they do get some different looks. And it's, it's a strange situation. Cause I mean, we, we've talked kind of how, 
you know, how interesting it is that, um, you know, April has kind of become, especially when you're a very good team, which obviously has not always, <laughs> has not been the case for the Bucks prior to this year. But, you know, in, in April, um, it becomes a weird time of the calendar because it's basically like a second preseason almost with guys getting rested, guys not playing full minutes, guys not maybe getting, playing with full intensity uh, game to game and teams just sort of, uh, preparing for for this time of year, the the actual playoffs. But you know, the weird part is like that. It it almost seems like you know, if the Pistons come out and you know continue to look like they have, then it might actually like kind of bleed over even into the playoffs. Which I I just I mean I I don't know. I mean again, I'm sure there have been examples of this um, for other teams. Uh, you know, who, who've been you know one or two seeds, something like that. But it really is a unique situation, especially with uh, you know Vincent Goodwell reporting that that Blake is, you know, a very big question mark to play at all this series. Um, you know, it, I mean, it, it's one thing if Blake comes back and, you know, can muster some, some facsimile of what he was this season. Um, if he doesn't come back at all, I mean, you know, I mean, if you're having to start Thon Maker um, in his place, I don't know if they would actually do that uh, in game two, given how game one went, uh, might try something different, but um but man, it's, it's, it's just tough. I mean, you just, the, the deck is just totally stacked against you if you're the Pistons and um, you know, if you're the Bucks, it's, it's like a weird situation because you really do kind of feel like, all right, how do we, you know, obviously the first thing is to win, but you know, you almost think as well, just about like what, you know, it's like you almost hope that the other team is running adjustments and maybe doing some things that, that at least give you some reps that can be valuable for, for round two. But again, part of me also just feels like, sick of sick of hearing myself talk like this because it's been so long since you know the bucks have actually won a second round series that you know seemingly taking this for granted at this point feels like uh you know like i i'm i'm you know uh, you know i don't know creating some bad karma here that you know inevitably this means Giannis is gonna you know get hurt or something like that but um i don't know in a lot of ways that that's you know we talked about it last night that's probably like my biggest concern is just, you know, how can you avoid like uh, an annoying fluke injury or something like that in, in the remaining parts of the series? Cause certainly, you know, actually losing the series just it doesn't even seem to kind of enter your mind at this point. No, it, it, this is kind of something that, you know, one of your guys in the gang brought up, uh, Bill Kanzanari commented on my article over at the athletic today where, you know, where I was breaking down game one and he brought up the idea that, you know, our friends Nate Duncan and Dan LaRue brought up the idea that maybe this Bucks team, not that you, you know, you want to lose games or, you know, you want to stretch a series out, but, you know, maybe there is something to the idea that in the first round getting tested, and when I say getting tested, you know, I mean, kind of lightly tested like a, a very light pranking uh, maybe, like you know, like maybe you're just doing a little bit of that where you have to, kind of work through some things and, you know, you have to work through different looks and you have to work through a, a team or, you know, a player that, that can really make things challenging on you. And, you know, as you go through this Pistons roster, it's just like, they don't have that. It really doesn't matter, you know, how you kind of try to draw it up, like what adjustments you make, like they don't really have that. And, you know, I, you know, what I told Bill was that to me in some sense, it, it doesn't really register to me that okay if this if this crummy team 
tries to make you make some adjustments and, you know, maybe you struggle with a little bit, like all of a sudden you're going to be ready for when like an actually talented team makes those adjustments. Like it, it, to me, it's just different levels. Like there's a, a, there's a requisite level of talent you need to challenge this Bucks team because they're so good that, you know, if you don't have that talent and you make them work against an adjustment or a defensive scheme that they haven't seen before or something offensively that they haven't seen before that in the end, it's just going to be like, well, it was kind of cute that you did that, but there's, they're still going to win in four games. And uh, to me, I, I don't know that it matters. And I don't think you could really have any sort of data on that. Like, okay, this is what teams that get slightly tested in the first round look like against teams that don't get tested in the first round. Or, like, I, to me, I just think in the end, like, you as a team have to go through that. And, you know, like I think back to the big three heat just pillaging the Bucks when they had them in the 1-8 game and it, or in the 1-8 series. And it's just like, okay, so if the Bucks made them work a little bit harder, would that have prepared them for uh, – was that the year they were in the finals or was that the year that Indy like had Roy Hibbert? And it's like, well – you know, the Bucks couldn't challenge in that way. Like, I am i can't even totally remember which year it was, if it was first year LeBron or second year uh, LeBron in Miami. But either way, it was just like, you know, if the Bucks were better that year, like, does that better prepare them for whatever adjustments they had to make down the road? Like, I don't think so, ultimately. Like, the the teams that are going to make you struggle are the teams that, can, that are going to make you struggle because they have the personnel to make you struggle. Yeah, I mean... In, in the big picture, like so much of this for me comes down to, you, you know, and, and and it's kind of hard, right? Because, I mean, you, you can't play four rounds unless you win each of the previous three. So, um, you know, if if you get fat and happy yep. and, and you know, out of kind of um, out of touch with, with the high level of competition of the playoffs because you didn't play anybody in round one, then does that lower your of, of winning round two? You could make that argument to me, but I also think, you know, if you can get through that first round or round or two, um, playing minimal games and playing fewer minutes and, you know, getting guys healthier, keeping guys healthy, um, you know, it it is still, it may only be 16 wins that you need, um, but man, that's the hardest 16 possible wins you can, you can try to get in basketball that, you know, it is, it is still a marathon, even if it's not 82 games. Um, and it's a grind and, and, you know, um, it's, it's still something that you need luck to get through kind of in one piece. Right. And I mean, we're seeing that with the Sixers who, who came back tonight and bounced back in a really strong way, uh, getting a win against the Nets. But, um, you know, you, you, I mean, Joel Embiid, like is, is Embiid going to be hundred percent physically at any point in this playoffs? I, I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, even though there's fewer games, there's no back to backs. Um, it's hard if you're battling an injury to, to get healthy, unless you're just not having to you know play and you can just rest. And, um, you know, obviously for the bucks, I guess the good news is that, you know, the, they don't really have the walking wounded. They just have the, the guys coming back on some level, you know, I'm really just at this point, you know, Brogdon and, and certainly Snell would be nice to have back as well. But at this point with Meritage back, you know, Brogdon's really the one guy who's, who's, you know, really essential in sort of like that, okay, if you want to compete for a championship type type perspective. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I think, you know, there's definitely, I would say probably a higher likelihood that you come out in game one of the second round and maybe you're just not ready for, uh, for the level of competition. Right. And so, mm-hmm. and the irony is like, 
you know, maybe it's it, that's that situation where like the, the, the home court is almost like a little bit of a curse because you, you can't just like ease your way into a series, right? Which you, again, you don't want to do that even if you're the road team, but um, you know, you're allowed that. Yeah, especially it's almost expected, you know, versus if you're uh, you're the home team, you know, you come in game one, the pressure's on, right? The pressure's on you to, to take care of business. And if you if you don't, right, if you play the Boston Celtics and the Celtics win that first game, oh, oh crap, you know, all of a sudden you're under massive amounts of pressure in game two. And if you lose X game, you know, the series is seemingly over, right? I mean, teams have come yep. back from 0-2 at home, but very rarely does that happen. That, that's not something that happens very frequently. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's an interesting point, but I still can't help but feel like, you know, ultimately, um, you know, ultimately, look, the, I'm, I'm, uh, Bucks need to get to the second round one way or the other. Uh, and if the problem is that it's too easy, I'll gladly take that problem over, <laughs> you know, having some slugfest seven game series where they get dinged up or, you know, whatever that, uh, that it kind of extends things. So, um, I will, I will, let's say this, I will hope that, um, you know, the Celtics, uh, or the Pacers that they both, that neither of those teams has a really easy time. Well, let me actually, you know, I shouldn't say that I, I would happily have the Pacers win in five games. <laughs> I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, just because I don't think the Pacers are as good as the Celtics, not as scary, but, um, you know, I'll happily tell the Celtics, Hey, go, go grind it out for seven games and beat yourselves up over a uh, first round series. I'd rather have that than they, uh, just kind of cruise without, without any, um, without any problem. Cause ultimately I think, uh, you know, again, fewer games means, means more rest, fewer chance of injuries. So, uh, it's, it's, it's the ultimate, you know, uh, 1% problem, I guess, uh, to, to be worried, you know, that you, you're not getting tested enough in, in that first round series. But, uh, I do, it's an interesting thought experiment at least. And, uh, so we were talking about topics before the the podcast. So this is this is the ultimate extension of that. Um, so it's interesting because we've heard in in the context. This way, this way. Yeah. Before you do that, yeah, I like the idea that you mentioned something being too easy because that's what I think of when I think of Wise cameras. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. Wise W Y Z E is packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only twenty dollars. Ten eighty p full HD. Images so clear you won't miss a thing. Night vision, two-way audio. Their mission is to bring amazing smart home products accessible to everyone. Check on your home anytime with Wise Apps live stream. Connect with life as it unfolds in sharp focus. Live stream with eight times digital zoom. Also, you got to remember, free rolling 14-day cloud storage as well as no subscriptions. And, you know, why that's so important is, you know, if you do have all of this footage that racks up storage in a hurry and having that free rolling 14-day cloud storage makes it so much easier. And it's all for just $20 a camera. Want more? They got that too. For just $10 more, Wise Campaign gives you 360-degree coverage in under three seconds. Live Life moves fast. Your camera should too. Patrol your room with pan scan. Set the camera's patrol route with up to four custom waypoints. Track the action wherever it goes. Wise Campaign automatically detects tags and tracks motion within its field of view. Keeping up with life in real time has never been so easy. It works with Alexa. And again, free rolling 14 day cloud storage that can always be a cam that can always be a problem with cameras like that where you know you just don't have the storage to actually see the things that you know you wanted to see and with that free rolling 14 day cloud storage it makes it easy for you 
They can also work with your mobile phone anywhere with their mobile app. Makes it all so easy. Go to wise.com, W-Y-Z-E.com slash locked to get the guaranteed lowest price. Again, that's W-Y-Z-E.com slash locked to get the guaranteed lowest price with Wise. Also, remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Bucks on the new Himalaya podcast app. And in ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Bucks. Frank, now I'm going to do the transition. Uh, you were going to transition us into this topic. We, we kind of flipped the order that we were thinking about talking about these topics uh, with first kind of talking about, you know, whether or not it matters if the Bucks get tested in the first round or not. And the the other topic we had talked about is something that kind of takes us back to the game. And, you know, it was something that I was really interested by. And I guess from the Twitter responses I've had, and that I, I had a whole bunch of mentions, none of which I responded to. Um, but, you know, a couple minutes before Thon Maker had that hard fall on Giannis, you know, I commented that, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting that Bucks fans were booing every time he touched the ball. And, and you know, like you could hear it on the, on the broadcast. I know I just had a, had a clip up at the athletic of, you know, a pass that he made that ultimately resulted in a long rebound and a Giannis dunk on the other end in transition. But, you know, like you could hear in the broadcast, like Thon getting booed when, when he had the ball in his hands. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting and I had Bucks fans kind of scream at me and say like, well, he requested a trade and he, you know, he, he, didn't fulfill the potential that you'd want of a number 10 pick. And, you know, why do Bucks fans owe him anything? It's the playoffs. It's a team that, you know, the Bucks are trying to beat. So why shouldn't I, you know, boom and, you know, kind of bury him? And, you know, as I thought through it, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I think those are all fair points. But I, I was kind of surprised that more positive vibes didn't remain around Thumb just because, you know, like he was – very good in the playoffs last two years. Like obviously playoff Thon uh, became a thing because it was a thing. Uh, like he played above his level in those moments and, you know, kind of gave the, the bucks a chance in some of those games when, you know, like they, they weren't the best basketball team. Uh, so, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, on top of it, like Thon is just always kind of, to me at least very likable. Like he, he had a fun personality he got along with Giannis. They, they, Giannis, Thon always had kind of interesting things to say. But I guess in the end, his his trade request kind of superseded all of that. But I, I will say I was kind of surprised by that reaction and surprised by you know how many people kind of I don't want to say lashed up, but you know like kind of like reached out after that tweet and were like, "No, man, like of course we booed him." And I guess I'm curious what, what your reaction to all that would be, Frank. Yeah, Mitchell and I didn't talk about it last night. I, I honestly, and maybe it was because I was watching with a group of people and we were like talking and, you know, I mean, obviously there's just a lot of crowd noise. And it's not like Thon is like dribbling the ball up the court. It's like, I don't know, like it, it wasn't, it just wasn't apparent to me that it was happening sort of as it happened. And then after he took those couple of hard fouls on Giannis, which happened pretty early in the game, um, at that point, I mean, I think if you foul Giannis hard, like, you know, you could be, I don't know, um, 
Christian Yelich, <laughs> and we'd I'd I'd be happy to boo you. Um, I say you this could is be Christian. God, and people yeah. would boo you. <laughs> I say this is Christian Yelich, uh, the Brewers MVP. Uh, has hit three home runs tonight, so he's he's pretty popular in Milwaukee right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I really didn't pick up on it, and then I, I saw you know Kane Kane uh, covered it, um, asked Thon about it, um, and and so I hadn't really even like it didn't even really cross my mind until after after the game, kind of reading about stuff on Twitter. Um, I will say this, like as a fan, um, you know, we've obviously had a lot of former Bucks of you know varying sort of uh, degrees of success and personality, kind of come through, leave, come back and, and get some sort of reception. Um, I have to say, I, I wouldn't have cheered or booed Thon. I mean, I think if Thon had been like, you know, wanted to not wanted nothing more than to stay in Milwaukee and then they traded him while he was like, you know, playing really well. And it felt, you know, like it had sad, that feeling of like, Oh, he wanted to be here, but we traded him. Then I think I, I think I would have like given him some sort of round of applause. Um, but it's, it's a, it such a weird situation. Cause like, I mean, he wasn't playing and then, you know, and we obviously speculated that it was probably more his agents driving his agents slash camp, uh, you know, driving kind of the trade request than perhaps Thon specifically. Like it doesn't seem like Thon would of his own, like sort of just volition, like especially during this season, um, you know, push back and try to try to get traded uh you know in in the midst of of such a great season when he actually did make strides and then just you know got benched for a few weeks and um and then ultimately like they they asked for the trade and i say they because again like it's always you know a bit unclear how much of these things are you know really the player versus agents and things like that but um but that obviously kind of created i think i'm sure um fans who who booed or wanted to boo i mean i think that was that had to be obviously the main reason right this idea of well, you didn't want to be here, so screw you. Right? Um, and you know, again, like I, I, I wouldn't have done it. I, I think you know, again, it, it's not. I would say it's not a great look, just because I think a lot of people would just say, hmm. you know, I, I respect people would say like, well, I, that's not classy or it's kind of petty. You know, I, th- I, I can definitely see that side of the argument. Um, like I said, I wouldn't have booed myself. Um, but, uh, you know, the flip side was once he fouled Giannis, then I think you were definitely then in uh, in you can get booed mode. <laughs> so the line got blurred pretty quickly because he had a couple like yeah. pretty chippy, like very clearly not you're, like he was not going to get the ball and kind of came through Giannis's arms and sent him tumbling a couple times. So um, at that point, uh, you know, any goodwill I had was, was, and again, whatever, I know it's not like a bad guy, but um, I do think he can be, I mean, we've seen it also with opponents. I mean, when he had a few flagrant fouls in his first couple of years here, I mean, he does not control him, his body very well. Um, and he can definitely be a danger to himself and others uh, with that kind of super high energy style. So um, that's certainly part of the reason why I'm, I'd be happy to just get the series over with as soon as possible so that, you know, him and Zaza, who again, like, I like both of those guys as people, they seem like good dudes. Um, I'm not crazy about trotting Giannis out there, you know, trying to dunk on them if for no other reason than I think they're competitive and they're, they can get chippy and, you know, um, you never know what, what that's going to mean. Um, it, it's interesting because the other thing I thought of, um, and I was not at this game either. I don't know if you recall it, but, and I just looked it up just to try to remember the, the exact circumstances. But when Zaza came back after he was traded uh, a couple of years ago and the, and again, I, 
I always just think of it as squad six, but you know, it's been called different things. The, the fan cheering section. Um, I guess I, I'm not, I don't think they booed Zaza, but apparently they chanted like sit down Zaza in some scenario. And he took exception to that. Um, and he was pissed off about it after the game. And then the bucks, you know, apologized about it. And, um, so I, I it was kind of interesting cause that was the first thing I thought of. Um, cause I don't remember bucks fans, like, you know, doing anything kind of, you know, like, like reacting this way to a former player who had, you know, generally a, a good reputation in Milwaukee. I mean, certainly I would say, I mean, I don't really care how Thon played in a couple playoff games. I'd say, I mean, he was generally disappointing, you know, as a former 10th overall pick, right? I mean, obviously he didn't never really kind of fulfilled his promise, but you know, that's not really why you would boo him. Right. Um, so it's an, it's a, it's an interesting kind of question. Um, the Zaza thing was the only kind of thing I could remember in recent times of Bucks fans kind of being maybe a little bit on the petty side. And even that, I, that was like just some chanting, right? That wasn't even, that wasn't like just wholesale booing. So I don't, I don't know. Was there, is there anything that you can think of in recent memory that that's kind of similar? Cause I, I don't know. Like I, I can't really think of an analogous scenario or anything even close to it where, something similar happened. Um, and again, I'm trying to figure out like, is it just kind of a random one-off type thing or is there really some, some, some similarity to, to something else that's happened? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of as close as it gets. And, you know, like as I think through it, like, cause Jabari got Jabari got, did you, what was Jabari's reaction? That, he's probably the most interesting guy in recent years. Was he kind of a mixed booze and cheers or what was Jabari's uh... yeah no he was kind of a mix and then I believe there was uh, a chant that sounded like Jerry Lulful uh, <laughs> as well uh, during that game if, if I remember correctly uh, so I, be- I believe that happened uh, that did not occur in the stately Bradley Center that occurred uh, in, in Pfizer Forum um, so like that was that would have that would have been a, that would have been your favorite Bradley Center memory though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it probably it probably would have been. Um, so you know, like that was like kind of a mixed bag. But you know, I think why this one is so interesting to me is just like I get for me, it kind of comes down to the idea that I, I for me, I very much and again, like this is this was me talking to Thon in you know, this was me like kind of thinking through this. And um, like when I talked to Thon in Oklahoma city, like after like the day after he had requested the, his camp had requested this trade, like I, I just, I was struck by how clear it appeared to me that like, not that he didn't want to do it, but just that like, it was about playing time. Like he just wanted to play. And did I, did I think, you know, that was a little like, was it a little bit too early to be bitching about playing time? Yeah. Like he'd been, you know, on the bench for a couple of weeks at that point. And we've seen, or we saw throughout the year that, you know, you could get back in the rotation. Obviously Pat Connaughton led the bucks in minutes the other night. And, you know, he, he spent what a month on the bench, not playing like that happens. Sterling Brown, same way, like these type of things happen. So, you know, I thought it was a a little bit uh, too drastic of, of a move, but like I, I couldn't help but being struck by like you know Don just wants to play like it, I don't I don't I don't think he really is you know dying to get out of Milwaukee like he, he keeps calling them the best 
effing team in the league and you know like how proud of all of his teammates he are or he is and like to me that's why this just struck is so strange but you know like if i think if you're on the outside a little bit more and again like that's not me trying to be conceited and say like i'm on the inside and people are on the outside but like I just think I'm probably swayed in some ways by interacting with Thon and like seeing Thon and kind of knowing when he says, when he said things like what he might've been thinking a little bit more or, you know, like I'm probably swayed by pregame the other night uh, walking into the Pistons locker room and like seeing Thon and knowing that Thon doesn't talk pregame. He stole that from Giannis um, where like, pregame he, he just won't talk because he's laser focused and then you know like he sees me and matt and kane and he's like oh what's up guys like you know and like i ask like oh do you have do you have some time to chat he's like yeah you know what you know you guys know i don't talk pregame but you know you guys are here i haven't seen you in a while like sure i will so like i, I like i'm not trying to say like i'm not swayed in some ways by having those interactions uh with on it it was just kind of surprising me because like you know like john henson underperformed more than anyone in the last five years um i guess relative to contract like oh he playoff just... henson eric come on <laughs> I, i'm aware of playoff henson as well uh but i'm also aware of regular season henson and john henson's contract um so like I, to him and i think in some ways they're analogous right like they kind of I guess Thon didn't really have like the big contract uh, quite yet, but you know, he did have the, the top 10 pick. Uh, he did have, you know, the plan. <laughs> he, had, he had ambition. Whereas John Henson was, I mean, let's be honest. John Henson was, I think totally fine. Just being like, uh, you know, guy getting paid and being yes. an NBA player. And, you know, I don't think he had any, and, and maybe part of that is just because John Henson's a realist and, you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody ever tried to convince him that, he was going to be an MVP in the NBA or that he, you know, was going to be this, this star <laughs> player. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely ironic to kind of draw that contrast between those two and, and what people accept because, and what people don't. Because like when Henson came through, it was just like, you know, I think the, the fan section like kind of chanted at him and like he eventually pointed at him cause he's John Henson and he's hanging out on the bench and he, you know, he can't help himself from being, you know, fun and, gregarious and it was just like you know i think they're they're somewhat similar except you know one bitched about not playing more and the other one was just like yeah cool i'm not playing that's fine i'm making 10 million dollars this year so whatever that's cool um so i don't know like i I just it, it like i said it struck me as funny i tweeted out as much and then obviously it became less interesting once thon had followed Giannis uh pretty hard a couple times and i was like okay yeah if you want to boom that I get it. Uh, so I don't know. I, I thought all that was interesting. Um, I, I guess the the only other thing I'll, I'll kind of kind of wrap this up with, uh, unless you have something else, is just that uh, you mentioned the idea of playing against Thon and Zaza and uh, their propensity to uh, uh, foul people and oh. and play dirty. Um, I mean, uh, if you're thinking about this series and things to actually be afraid of, like don't you fear every minute Zaza's on the floor with Giannis? Right? Like, yeah. he, he can't be trusted. Like, he he's crossed the line. Obviously, the NBA enacted a new rule because he crossed the line with Kawhi Leonard a few years back. Like, I don't think he can be trusted 
to be on the same floor with your star player because he might just have a dirty foul at some point. Like that's, that's just who Zaza is. And if he's on your team, you probably uh, look the other way on it, but playing against him, it's like, uh, you know, screw you, man. (laughs) That's not cool. You're, you have a chance to kind of affect this, this entire playoffs if you do something like that. So to me, that that's something you guys brought up last night and obviously you brought it up a little bit tonight. But yeah, if there's to me, if there's something to fear in this series, it's kind of that. It's injury and it's injury from, you know, a couple guys that aren't afraid to to give hard playoff fouls in an era where giving hard playoff fouls isn't as acceptable as it once was. Yeah, and it's also that combination with, I mean, Giannis if anybody, and again, Zaza and Giannis and, Z- and Giannis and Thon have a really good relationship. I mean, they have very good relationships with those. I mean, he's very close to, to both those guys, you know, Zaza when Giannis was, you know, just coming in the league um, was somebody that I mean, I remember, I think Giannis is, I want to say Giannis is, was it his first media day? He sat with Zaza and did interviews and, you know, so there, there was, I think obviously a, a, a real relationship there. So it's like, you know, in the abstract, Zaza, I'm sure, would never want to hurt Giannis. Um, but, you know, Giannis is out there trying to dunk on guys. Giannis is, you know, more so than perhaps any other player in the league, putting himself in positions where guys will want to, you know, he's putting himself in vulnerable positions and, and doing things that would, in the heat of a moment, maybe want guys, want you know, guys would want to, to take hard fouls on him. So it, it is sort of that just weird thing that right in the heat of the moment, um, I think we saw it already with Thon, right? And maybe some of that was because he was getting booed. Um, but, you know, Giannis was trying to, you know, murder him. You know, you said that before the, before the game that Giannis would try to, you know, that, that based on what Giannis was saying, to, said, you know, sort of the way he, he reacted when you were asking about it, that, you know, it was kind of like, oh, man, it's going to be tough because I'm going to have to kill him, you know? Um, <laughs> I think he just said it's going to be tough. And then you... I think in, correctly interpreted that as it's tough because I'm yeah. going to kill him. And that's exactly what it looked like uh, on, on Sunday. And I think Giannis actually, I mean, at one point, I think after his first and one, he actually like, like said, you could see him mouthing. Like, I think he said like, I'm effing unstoppable. Um, that's correct. And that it's, that's correct in the sense of he's, he, he said that and he, he is actually unstoppable. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting Let's just say it's an interesting dynamic, and and you know let, let's also be honest that that dynamic is really the only thing that is probably going to make this series at all interesting. But hopefully, you know this series just kind of goes to form, and we don't have any other spice because you know Zaza or Thon pulling out a dirty play on you know anyone, let alone Giannis. Uh, is not the kind of drama that I think any of us need out of this series. No, absolutely not. So uh, we'll kind of see how that goes. And the great news is, Frank, we have another day to talk about it because they decided to put two games in between, or two days between games one and two. So we Mailbag? Talk- Ooh. Yeah, it's not the worst idea you've ever had. I think, I've had a I lot think of that's- bad ideas, but that's not the worst. <laughs> No, no, that is not the worst. Uh, yeah, let's mailbag it. Uh, you guys know the rules at Lockdown Bucks on Twitter. Uh, if you don't take at Lockdown Bucks, we will ignore it because in these situations, we tend to get way too many uh, tweets and just can't handle it. So if you do something wrong, I'll just throw it out. So at Lockdown Bucks to get your question in the mailbag, or you can email lockdownbucks at gmail.com. That's right. It's that right. Okay. 
Uh, so lockdownbucks at gmail.com. You can email those over as, as well if you have a, a longer form question uh, that you would like to get into the podcast. So we'll do a bandwagon tomorrow night because there's not a whole lot else to talk about. So we'll have some fun with that. And I will remind you before we leave that you should check out wisewyze.com slash locked. Again, wyze.com slash locked for wise cameras. Just $20 a camera. Free rolling 14-day cloud storage, no subscriptions, all those great things, and the guaranteed lowest price at wise.com, W-Y-Z-E.com slash locked to get that guaranteed lowest price. And a reminder, as always, thanks for listening, and you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast locked on bucks and that'll get you everything that you want that'll get your new episode every single day so for frank men i'm eric name this has been locked on bucks we'll talk to you guys tomorrow